0: Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reform Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. And rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the words of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. That's Acts chapter sixteen, starting in verse twenty-five and going through thirty-four. Well, all right. Do you ever get nervous reading? Oh yeah. The second I hit record, I get nervous. I'm like, what if I mess up? Right. It's all and then we got to restart again. I know it. Well, if you are here, which you are, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's an to, interesting intro. To episode 52 of the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about the city of destruction. Yeah. That's a depressing title. I was
1: going to say, it's kind of, when you say it that way, it's kind of, hmm. well, it is. I mean, it it's is. It's fitting though. It is fitting.
0: Yeah. Would you say that we live in a city of destruction? I would say if you're not in Christ, you live in a city of destruction. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Uh, We're going to be talking about Pilgrim's Progress. We talked about one chapter earlier, but uh, we're going to try to kind of systematically work through Pilgrim's Progress, right? Yeah. You've been reading it? I have. I try to read through it every year, and uh, this is your first time reading through it. How are you liking it so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really—I'd heard a lot about it um, for a long time now, so I've always kind of been curious about it. But it's really—I mean, it blows me away— as much as people talk about it and like how how good it is and how it just reflects, you know, our walks with Christ so well through the different allegories and things. Yeah. Um I mean, I was even more blown away when I as I've been reading right. it because it's like you read it and it's 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 just crazy. I mean, the depth the depth, I should say, of like the that it goes into, yeah. you know, you'd think with these simple stories, it right. would kind of be at the surface level, but then you really start thinking about it. And it's like, man, yeah. you know, you can get really
0: deep into the, right. the weeds with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think our culture is one of being, uh, so when people are like, Hey, check out this movie, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it and you're like, eh, that might it's a very
1: been. underwhelming right. thing.
0: Yeah. So we're we're used to being underwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, but with that it delivers. Mm-hmm. So we well, we're going to get into that, but before we do, let's affirm some stuff and deny some stuff. All right. You want to go first or you want me to?
1: Um I guess I can go first my affirmation. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Um I'm going to affirm the way that God's creation reflects his character in the story of the gospel. Um I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot. Do tell. Lately. Well, you know, just in the, in, I mean, just today we were talking about, you know, different things that we can learn from the animals and stuff that God's created. Millie. Millie, our dog. We're talking about, you know, parenting and we're talking about, because Emma and I don't have kids yet, but
0: we're, you know. Well, here, let me give my affirmation real quick and then we'll pick back yours. Oh, okay. Because they can kind of tie together. Okay. All right. So I was going to affirm old T-Bone an Oreo. T-bone and Oreo. Yeah. All right. I think we're, where Gigi has settled with the name. So, (laughs) um, my mom and stepdad have gotten cows last night. It's a big ordeal getting the cows in there. But, uh, Judah on Thursdays and Fridays, he's my youngest. He's uh, about to turn four next week, but he goes to Gigi's every Thursday and Friday and he lives his best life. He's Hunting, well, not really. Walks in the woods. Um, he's doing pretty good at fishing. He can. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he caught his first bass by himself not too long ago. But so he goes out there and he works on the tractor with Paul. Paul and he does all kinds of stuff. And uh, so he he loves not having to go to preschool on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But on Thursday and Friday, when he gets to go to Gigi's, like he eats it up. So. um she called last night and said that the the cows are here. He's been helping Pawpaw with the fence, getting ready for the cows, Mm -hmm. um, doing all the work with him. And, uh, so he was excited to get there this morning. He couldn't go to sleep last night. He kept running into our room at like 10 o'clock. He's like, I can't go to sleep. I'm just so excited Mm -hmm. to see the cows and all that. So, uh, he finally went to bed, woke up this morning. We went out there and we saw the cows. So, um, what, what I'm affirming is, one, that they've got some beef. So old T-Bone, though, he's the stud. Mm. So he won't be getting et.
1: He yeah. will
0: be uh, making babies to eat. <laughs> He'll um, have a heck of a life. Yeah. So, but yeah. they're uh, not quite a year. I think they're like nine months old. So they're still bigger than a dog, but smaller than a regular cow.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and... So we got out there in the, in the fence today and we're walking around and we had to get the cows. So they got two pastures and they were in the bottom one, trying to get them up to the top pasture and close the gate. So I went in there and, you know, all of my Yellowstone watching paid off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was able to wrangle them up. Uh, and that's watching on Angel, obviously. Yes, of course. Because it's, uh, <laughs> it can get pretty bad. Without it, but um, so got the cows up, and uh, I was like, okay, I want I want to get Judah in here, let him experience it. So Judah came in, and I was showing him how to walk up to the cows with his arms up, and you know, pat your side, and tell him, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? So he's in there doing that, and uh, he had a good old time. But um, so I'm affirming that I I'm glad that he's able to have these experiences at four he loves working um Mm -hmm. he's already so him and Paw, they'll go and chop wood and then he'll load up the wood that they chop onto their little side by side and take it to uh Paw's parents house and he gets four quarters every week for doing that for him and then he uses the quarters at the mexican restaurant to get a gumball (laughs) so nice but um but he loves working, and mm-hmm. I, I like that he loves working. He loves being outdoors. He loves fishing. He loves, you know, all that stuff. And and so, um, you know, what I'm doing is I'm shaping future men, and I, I'm grateful and affirm that they have that foundation to build on, mm-hmm. you know. So, which kind of right leads into your affirmation, which was, what again? Recap it for me. Well,
1: it was how God's creation reflects his character and just the gospel in general. Yeah. Because um, you saw the picture of the cows. Yeah.
0: And so we we're talking about Millie, which
1: Millie is was, an Australian shepherd, which means— They're the, bred to do what? Herd things. Yeah. yeah. They're cattle dogs. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, man, you know, <laughs> I love, like, just to watch Millie turn loose in there and just, you know, trying to herd those cows would be really fun. But then I was like, man, they could step on her and she'd die. Right. Like immediately. Yeah. You know? Like, and so we were just talking about how like just I like we don't have children yet, Emma and I. And so, you know, what's funny is how Millie is currently She's your fur baby. Right. She's like, yeah. we're learning parenting lessons through being, you know, Millie's. Parents. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well and, and yeah. but biblically speaking, you're learning so like when when God created Adam, mm. he put him over the animals, right? right. And so his job was to um, not only name them, but to to have dominion over them and to protect them and to provide you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like um so really you're just kind of learning part of the creation mandate. Right. right. You have responsibility over something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, which is a good thing, right? Um, and so, which Millie's y'all's first pet mm-hmm. for just y'all that y'all are yeah. solely responsible for, mm-hmm. you know, and and so yeah, it's teaching you guys um, that that you know what it is to have somebody or something else that you're responsible for, you right? Know? So you can't just do. What you want to do when you want to do it, right? You know, because there's a dog that needs to go pee, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. So what what I was pushing you with though was um, with me today. I initially had that same thought with getting Judah out there. Is mm-hmm. if these cows charge at him, you know, it's gonna <laughs> right. He comes up to their you know leg, right, and so they that you know they're a lot bigger than he is, but. I also weighed the benefit of getting him out there and getting him comfortable and then getting them comfortable around him, mm-hmm. you know. And if if what I'm doing is raising future men, then I want them to be able to do things that might be dangerous, but it fulfills them as a person and what they were kind of created to do, Right. you know. And so mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about the same thing with Millie. Like, as a... Australian shepherd, uh, in her DNA is herding cattle, you Mm -hmm. know? And so if you are willing to put her into something that might be dangerous, but it's what God designed her to do, then, you know, um, just kind of thinking through and and, and weighing that too, as opposed to just keeping,
1: keeping her away from danger. It goes for Millie, but it goes
0: for kids, you know? Right. God has given us kids to send as arrows of righteousness out into darkness. And, mm-hmm. and that can be a scary thought once you have kids and you're looking at them and you're raising them and you're loving them and, and who they are. But then you're thinking, you know what? God's given these abilities to them so that they can engage a dark culture with the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, one thing that I've prayed since Elijah was, God, help us to be the parents that you've called us to be to raise them to be the men that you've called them to be and allow us to um, to love and raise and protect and all of that, but not past the extent of what you are calling them to, you mm-hmm. know? Because if God's calling them to something and I'm like, well, don't do that because that could be dangerous. But if that's what God's calling them to, then right. as a parent, I'm now standing in the way of what God's equipped them to do. Right. Know? So it's a balance, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's cool to see that God has equipped people and animals for things that might not initially make sense to us, you Mm -hmm. know, but then when we let them do what they're doing, it's, it's fun to, to watch. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And even, you know, even with like, uh, like I was pulling weeds the other day and it's like, even with stuff like that, with like plants, you can just, you know, you know, pull out different like I was pulling the weeds thinking about like spiritual life (laughs) well yeah that too but then also like you know spiritual your spiritual walk with Christ like weeds are problems because they suck all the nutrients out of the ground and don't have you don't have any nutrients for the things that you want to
0: what you're trying to actually grow
1: and so like it's like man what (laughs) are not to be like too you know pragmatic, preachy, but, like, what are the weeds, you know? Right. Like, what weeds are there in my life that are, you know, just sucking sucking my attention or sucking yeah. my time or, or whatever? Because um, the thing about weeds, too, is they grow fast and then, mm-hmm. but they don't have very deep roots. Right. Like, you can have a really huge, tall, thick weed and you pull it up and the roots are, like, you know, two inches deep. right? You know? Yeah. And it's, there's a whole thing you can go on with that too. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, everything you look at, there's, it, it's somehow reflecting God's character, God's design. Right. And that's, that's really a cool thing. And just something that th- throughout the past week with the weeds, with Millie and the conversation we mm-hmm. had, it's like, man, that's just crazy. Cause you think like, all oh, animals are animals and plants are plants and weeds are weeds and. People are people, you know, people are the only ones that are in God's image, but everything else is, but no, I mean, everything else, people are the only ones in God's image, but everything else does reflect God's character, you know, so, but,
0: and it was all created by him for a purpose. Right. So, well, that's cool. All right. Uh, what are you going to deny today? So my
1: denial comes from the state of the union address, which Mm. I have to be honest, I did not watch um but i watched recaps of it <laughs> yeah and one of the i uh, well, probably the biggest applause that was given um was when uh biden was talking about like restoring abortion rights and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it you i mean people just you know that it was almost overwhelming you know, the, the loudness of the cheers from that. Right. And it reminded me of, of, um, like it reminded me of something from, you know, Berlin in the late thirties, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was that passionate, that just, you know, just going wild over the slaughter of babies. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is my denial But it it spurred this thought of, I feel like right now we're living in a time that in 80 years, hopefully, Lord willing, um, people are going to look back on this as Christians are going to say, what were you doing there in that time while this was going on? You know what I mean? Like we look back on the Nazis, the Mm -hmm. Christians in Germany, right? Like what were y'all doing while they were doing all these atrocities? I think that's going to be what's going to happen with this situation with abortion, because yeah. it's it is, it's it's crazy how history repeats itself with right. stuff like that, you know. And abortion was existed back then too, but I mean, like now it's like it is the, it, it it's it's the single, it's what it, well, I'm trying to word well, it. It's what the Democrats ordinance. Are it's like an it. ordinance of the Democrats. Like right. it is ordained. That is like the thing they worship is yeah. is the slaughter of babies. Well, and you, you know as
0: you were saying that it reminded but, me of so Romans one, starting in verse twenty eight, it says And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent. Haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And this part specifically with that part of the Mm -hmm. State of the Union. Though they know God's decree and that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what you saw on full display. Um, That's what you see in our culture is ultimately people know— Well, they should know that it's wrong, Mm -hmm. but they give full approval to those that are practicing them, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think they know that it's wrong, but they love that it's wrong. Like that's part of the draw for them. So like when you talk to people about it, you know, it's, it's fairly not easy, but it is kind of easy to get them to a place where they have to admit what the truth is. Yeah. And then some of them gladly do it. Right. Some of them will tell you to your face, yeah, I want to kill that baby. <laughs> right. You know? And it's like, yeah. oh, so the mask came off. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that, I guess, shows just the level of depravity there of yeah, the light of Christ, you know?
0: Well, and your denial kind of leads into my denial mm-hmm. but from like a side door. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, question. Um, I'm denying the weekend— not the work week ending, but the artist, The weekend. he's got a song called Creepin'. Mm. And uh, I'm not a big listener of The Weekend, but I'm always listening to podcasts in my truck. And if I don't play one, then the radio will just kind of kick on after a couple minutes of riding down the road. And that happened to me yesterday. I was just riding down the road. Uh, I've had a lot of, preaching. Um, we're about to do a marriage conference. There's a lot of things that I've been preparing for. And so I was just kind of riding down the road in silence, kind of meditating on different things. The Lord's been showing me in the word and that song popped on, <laughs> broke your silence <laughs> <Creeping>. <laughs> by the weekend. Yeah. And, uh, the initial part that it was in the chorus when it popped on. And so it caught my attention. So I started listening to it and, um, and so I'm denying that song. But before I get into what the song says, I have a question for you. Mm. So let's say you're not married. Okay. Okay? You got a girlfriend, and she's cheating on you. <laughs> do you want to know? Yes. You do. Yes. Why?
1: Because then I want to break up with her.
0: Right. Why would yeah. you want to break up with her? Because why would I want to marry her if she's already cheating on me? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So when I was in high school, which was— some time ago, years and years ago, yeah. But like, there was popular songs on the radio, and they were all about if you're cheating on me, let me know, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can make an informed decision on this relationship. It's exactly um, what they said. Yeah, <laughs> that was the chorus. Well, yeah. If you're cheating on me, let me know, so I can make an informed decision. <laughs> but but that was the gist of the songs yeah. back then. Was you know. Um, I don't want <laughs> no scrub, right? <laughs> yeah. He can't get no love from me. Right. Um, but there was a standard, right? So the weekend, here's his, here's his lyrics. Um, I don't want to know if you're playing me, keep it on the low. Cause my heart can't take it anymore. <laughs> Doesn't say that, but my heart can't take it anymore. If you're creeping, please don't let it show. Mm. Right. So his whole song the whole purpose of that song is if you're doing these things that are harmful to me, don't stop doing them, but just, I don't want to know about it. (laughs) You know, when you're around me, let's act happy. Let's act like everything's going well. I don't care what's going on behind closed doors. I don't want to know that way I live in this false sense of joy. Mm. Right. But it's, it's this, fake joy because it's not true and, and all of that. Right. So that got me thinking though. And I think that that song strikes at what's wrong with the heart of the culture right now, you know? So when it comes to abortion, most people that affirm a woman's right to choose, don't want to know all of the dirty deeds that have gone on to make that happen or what that even leads to, you know? When you have people that are selling parts of babies that have been aborted and making a ton of money on that, they don't want to know about that, you know? Um, When it comes to the facts of what actually happens in an abortion, they don't want to know the dirty details about that, Mm -hmm. you know? When it comes to other sin, right? Like people are comfortable with not knowing, the government, you can do whatever you want. You know, if, if you're going to mandate this or that, or everybody's going to get this jab or not, like, I don't want to know the details as long as it doesn't affect this virtual reality that I have of life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but the Bible is the complete opposite Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because the Bible says that there is this thing is ultimate truth, you know? So like his, if you're creeping Pete, please don't let it show. Right. Um, like you can be doing these things, but when you're around me, put up that mask and don't let it show that way I can keep believing what I'm believing. I don't care if it's true or false. Right. Right. But, um, so his song, just from the biblical understanding of marriage, it's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're doing these things that could kill a marriage. But as long as you don't tell me about it, we're good. Let's just keep, <laughs> keep playing the game, Man. you know? Um, but it's the same thing with sin. Like, this person, because ultimately that's what this song's talking about. You've got a sin issue, and whatever your sins are, as long as you just kind of cover them up, then we can just keep going like life is normal, and we don't have to deal with the problem, you know? But the gospel calls all of us to deal with the problem, and mm-hmm. that is sin it needs to be repented of it needs to be turned from and then we need to put it under the blood of Christ yeah but that only happens with re- repenting and confessing sin you know so for that to happen there has to be such a thing as sin there has to be right there has to be wrong something has to morally be good or morally be evil mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of my my um denial is that song specifically, but more generally, how that that song is popular because that is kind of the heartbeat of the culture right now. Whatever's happening, whatever's going on, I don't want to know about it. You know, whatever's being pumped through public education, I don't want to know because if I knew, then I'd have to take my kids out of public school. Right. And then I'd have to start paying more money to either homeschool them myself or to find a, a good biblical private school, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, all, all kinds of parts of our culture that's happening, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's why people hate, you know, I mean, that's why the ASPCA, whatever the animal group Mm -hmm. is, that's why they show all their pictures of the, the sad dogs, you know, um, we want people to know what this dog's experiencing. So they'll give us money because that's what, Most people will do once they figure out something, you know, um, the gospel calls us to pull back the veil and see what's going on so that we can then make a proper decision based on the truth of where we're at, Mm -hmm. you know, which is why the the Bible says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, lest we become prideful and boastful. But we are to be um, humble before the Lord, Understanding that everything we have ultimately comes from him and what he's done for us. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I, I deny that whole idea of as long as we don't talk about it, we don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why our culture is where we're at. Because Christians in America have not talked about a lot of stuff. And just because you don't want to know doesn't make you not culpable for what's going on. The American church is solely responsible for the culture getting where it's at. And if we're just not wanting to know, that doesn't make us any less guilty. You know what right. I mean? So um, that's kind of my denial mm-hmm. is, is that.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of um, when we first bought our house. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, just going back to weeds. <laughs> Sin, like weeds, are very greedy. Right. So even if you're sitting there and you're living in this state of, you know, um, blissful ignorance, uh, it's not going to stay that way. Like it's going to go deeper. It's going to take over your life. Um, The guy who lived in our house before us, he he decided to never look out the window at the yard. Never for a good. I don't know. I have never seen anything like the way that my yard looked when we got to our house and one day what it took to get all that cleared up was me and Matt and my dad had to go out there and we had to work very hard
0: <laughs> lots of chopping
1: lots of chopping lots of just Matt's like Matt's yard equipment <laughs> couldn't well so like cuz you had those batteries and like yeah. you had the edger but the stuff was so thick right that the edger couldn't like Penetrate,
0: yeah, and it had yeah. to have your sidewalk. When we got done, your sidewalk gained about ten inches, right? right. Because of how overgrown the grass was. But then, like even in the backyard, I I, I didn't think a lawnmower was going to be able to cut down. Oh yeah, a lot of those because there were bushes. stalks. I yeah, mean, they were like so. I had to use my trimmer yeah. to cut down a lot of stuff first, and then do the lawnmower. Over. Yeah,
1: and so it, going back to just the sin. I mean, at some point, like, I mean, it's not going to stay just in blissful ignorance. It is going right. to overtake it, you. That's where affects. we, our culture right now, that, our culture is like our yard when we first moved into our house. Right. Like, it is nasty. It is completely overgrown. Completely, it needs just a long day of work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know?
0: Well, and I think but, an even better example, sticking with the you buying a house theme, is do you remember the house that you and Emma both really liked mm-hmm. and you put in an offer, but then they came back after the inspection and said, there's some, what was yeah. it, like, cracks in the foundation? There was,
1: uh, yeah, stuff going on. There was rotten crawl space. And yeah. So it was, yeah. So
0: that's a better example of where we're at. Right. Right? So, like, then you and... Emma had to decide, okay, we like the look, we like the layout, we like the location, we like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Do we want to make an investment on this knowing that there's tons of structural issues, Mm -hmm. you know? And ultimately, I think you decided rightly that no. Right. Because of the structural damage that has happened, that's not a wise investment. Right. I think that's more accurate of where America is. Mm -hmm. There's this uh, structural damage to the core of who we are as people because of this i don't want to know mentality right Mm -hmm. so if you see a little mold on the roof and then you just kind of paint over it and you don't deal with the the problem the leak that's actually causing it Mm -hmm. then it's ultimately going to make you to where you have to move out of that house because of the infestation of mold that's there.
1: Well and that happened
0: to y'all. And, right. But and if you don't, then it's gonna kill you. Right. Right. Um, so But it was a rental house. So it yeah. wasn't y'all's fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's where we're at yeah. as a culture is we've seen these little cracks forming in the foundation. We've seen these little, you know, mold spots happening. And instead of dealing with the cause where where sin is leaking into the culture, we've just kind of tried to paint over it and just keep going not letting people, you know, nobody wants to know, you know, well, that's going to cost us. Right. Absolutely. It is. But if we don't pay that price then our kids and grandkids are going to pay that price and And they're going to pay tenfold, you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of where all of this leads us is, um, Mr. The Weekend. If you don't know what's going on, Ultimately, you're going to pay the price in your relationship, but for us as an American culture, if we keep just pretending like everything's fine, when obviously we can see the signs that it's not, and we don't decide, okay, we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to do the hard work, and we're going to pay the price that it costs to restore structural integrity, uh, if we don't do that, then it's it's going to collapse, you mm-hmm. know, um, so— Full denial from the Locust Honey podcast. Oh, yeah. On all aspects of that. Yep. So that kind of leads us, though, into Pilgrim's Progress, because Pilgrim's Progress starts out in the city of destruction. Right. Um, So before we get there, I'm going to do a little bit of a background to Pilgrim's Progress and um, just kind of let everybody know why we like it and why they should like it, too. Um, First off... Pilgrim's Progress, and you might not know this, but it was written in two parts. So in 1678, uh, John Bunyan—I always want to call him Paul Bunyan. Yeah, but wrong I guy. do too. Yeah. <laughs> but John Bunyan wrote the first part, which is the story of Christian, and he's in the city of destruction. And then, um, as we're going to kind of talk about, he he comes to the realization that he needs to get out of the city of destruction and he needs to get to the celestial city. Um, but then in 1684, he wrote part two and I would encourage you to read this one too, because it's probably, uh, an even better story than part one. It's the story of Christiana, his wife and their four sons. Hmm. And they are now getting out of the city of destruction, headed to the celestial city as well. Yeah, I've been
1: wondering about them.
0: Yeah. And so that one's cool though, because... So part one, which is what we're going over, um, is a story of Christian. And um it's more of like a solo story, but part two is more of a, a family story. It's it's you've got the wife, Christiana, and then the four boys, and they're all on this journey together. And and that's kind of where most readers would find themselves. Because most people are either They have a family of their own, whether it's uh, them and their spouse or they've got kids or they are kids in a family, you know. So you've got Mm -hmm. this family journey uh, getting out of the city of destruction to the celestial city. And so part two, I would encourage people to read that. But um, when it comes to Pilgrim's Progress, um, I've heard it said that there's another book that is the number one seller besides the (laughs) Bible— Uh, But that is not true because Pilgrim's Progress is the most sold book other than scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, And up until about 40 years ago, most people, if they hadn't read Pilgrim's Progress, they had heard of all of the places in it, Mm -hmm. you know? So you've got uh, the city of destruction, you've got the the slew of despond, you've got you know, all of these different things. Uh, you've got all these people, worldly wise men and Christian and his journey and all of these different people. Um, nowadays, there, there's still some, some common uh, places or people that are in Pilgrim's Progress, but most people today don't even realize it. So Vanity Fair,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: magazine, which is now probably a website or app, um, but Vanity Fair, that, that title of what they are would selling. would name yourself that? But that's what, that's what Vanity Fair was. It yeah. was a place in Pilgrim's Progress that he had to go through to get to the Celestial City. And the whole purpose of Vanity Fair was these people that love stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they, they were very into um, the way that they looked. They were into the way that they presented themselves, how they talked, all that stuff. And so when Vanity Fair named their magazine that, I mean, that's what they're selling. They're mm-hmm. selling worldly desire. You know, we want to look the certain part we want the latest fashion we want the latest trends we want the latest all that stuff you know what i mean so it's a fitting title Mm -hmm. um but that comes from pilgrim's progress where christian goes through vanity fair and all that happens there but um so before most people uh had read it most christian families it, it was um required reading you know um if you talk to a pastor that's um long in the tooth, so to say, most of them, if you ask them, what's your favorite book apart from scripture are going to tell you Pilgrim's Progress, you know, but nowadays, if you ask people, even in seminary and you say, Hey, how many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? You're going to get between 10 and 20% of people that have read it, you know? So it's a book that is declining in popularity. Um, but there are people that are reproducing it and republishing it. Um, and, and I hope in some way to spark more of an interest in pilgrim's progress, because like what you said, it is, it's an allegory of the Christian walk, but it's a very accurate allegory. And it kind of helps. Um, if you're reading scripture, if you are, um, on this journey to follow Christ, it's a good visual uh, of what that is and what that looks like, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So, um, so i would encourage people to read it i i do encourage people in my ministry to read it there's you know several people now that are taking on reading it for the first time and um after everybody reads it i'm i'm getting texts from me and you were talking and they're like man this book is awesome you mm-hmm. know I'm like yes it is uh so if you have not read it pick up a copy and give it a read it's uh it's really good um which which one do you have um,
1: Mine is the revision by Alan Vermili. Vermil-
0: okay, who's the publisher?
1: Brown Chair Books.
0: Okay, the one that I would recommend the most is um, Penguin mm-hmm. House. I think they did a, a, a rendition in two thousand and eight. That's got some footnotes from a guy that's a a, a pretty knowledgeable uh, John Bunyan scholar Mm. and um so he kind of has some good footnotes in there too but any of the the newer revisions are going to be easier to read and understand uh for us american speaking uh people in anglos the century that we're in but um but so yeah pick up a copy start reading it you can get it; it's not very expensive um but it's 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 well worth the price and um So what we're doing is a several part series, just kind of breaking down Pilgrim's Progress, looking at some of the deeper meanings behind the allegories and some of the good conversations that it leads to. Mm -hmm. So we hope that this is uh, encouraging for you, but don't just stop with listening to what we're saying about it. Go pick it up and read it. Um, And I think that it will be a blessing to you as well. So with that said, I got a little bit that I'm going to do at the beginning, but then I'm going to kind of okay rely on you because uh my copies that I've got I've given out to people to be reading right now so it's been a couple of months since I've read it and um you've been going through it since christmas so mm-hmm. it's a little bit fresh on your mind but um so just some background to to get started and then I'm going to let you kind of lead the conversation from there but um first things first you've got a man who is when the book starts out um you've got this guy who is under this great burden, and he's carrying a book mm-hmm. and um the guy is christian um and he's he's under this heavy burden, and he describes that burden it's this weight that's just tied to his back, and uh it's kind of changed the way that he walks and it's you know all that stuff, but he's been carrying this burden um And he's also carrying this book. He lives, uh, which we don't find out initially, but uh, he comes on his journey, comes to find out that the place that he lives is called the city of destruction. Um, Where he's living is this place that is going to be destroyed. And all the people there don't realize it, and they're just kind of going on about life, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So here Bunyan is telling the story of the way of salvation, And he starts it with the conviction of sin. Uh, Christian is incredibly convicted of his sin. He's under this weight. And um, that realization comes from that book. Uh, And one of the things that Bunyan's bringing out in this is that without the weight of sin, the doctrine of salvation makes no sense. Um, And he spends the first 20 pages considering this issue of sin. The example that I've always used with this is, uh, so like with the youth, if I'm a doctor and you're a patient and I come in the, the room and I've got this huge needle and I say, Hey, great news. Uh, I'm going to give you this shot.
1: Mm.
0: You're like, uh, hmm. I, I don't think that that's great news. right?" You know? Right. But if before that I've come in and I said, Hey, based on your symptoms, I think you have this very rare, very deadly, uncurable disease, right? Mm -hmm. The death rate's 100%. Everybody who gets this disease is going to die. You've got all the symptoms, and we've tested you, and you've come back positive for this 100% death rate disease. That's horrible news, Right. right? But then the doctor leaves, and then calls you back into his office two months later, and he tells you, great news, we just found a cure, here's the shot no matter how big that needle is, that's wonderful news to you. Mm -hmm. You know, a a lot of people present the gospel that way. Um, They don't give the diagnosis. They just present the cure. Mm -hmm. And the cure makes no sense without the diagnosis. You know, so if I go into the office, if I go into the patient's room with the shot, but they don't know that they're sick and they don't know what they got is killing them, then they don't want the shot. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but if we do a, a proper job, which is, is what um, John Bunyan's doing here, the weight of sin um, makes the doctrine of salvation make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, once we realize that we are all sinners and because of that, we are cursed, uh, because of that, we will be held accountable of our sin before a holy God that makes the the good news of the gospel good, mm-hmm. you know? Apart from the bad news, the gospel's not good news, it's just news, right? you know? So apart from us being sinners, we have no need for Christ. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, we are all sinners because of Adam and Eve and their sin. When they were fellowshipping with God before they sinned, they could have fellowship with God because they were without sin. Mm -hmm. But the moment they sinned, we were all eternally separated from God and are all guilty before God of sin because Adam's our federal head. Right. right? So he's acting on behalf of all of the people under him. Um, So uh, so that kind of sticks out to me. Um, Also, the passage that I started off with, Uh, Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, Um, Bunyan seems to be using this story in Acts 16 as his template for salvation. So what you've got there, which is what I read is, um, you know, you've got initially uh, Paul and Silas are in prison and um, around midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there's this great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison are shaken and immediately all the doors are open. This jailer awakes and sees that all the doors are open and is about to kill himself because he knows he's going to be held accountable for what happened, you know. And in that, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's broken and um, he comes to the end of himself. But then Paul cries out for him to do no harm. Uh, for we're all here, and the jailer called for lights and rushes in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your family. Then he believes, and him and his family are baptized, and and then he accepts Paul and Silas into his home, cleans their wounds, Mm -hmm. feeds them, and fellowships with them, you know? So that's kind of the rough template that Bunyan's using here in this allegory of Pilgrim's Progress. Um, and and when we open up the city of destruction, um, that's what we see. Christian has been given this book, and this book helps him to see all of the wrong around him. It helps him to see the weight that's on his back. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back to our denial of— I don't want to know, Right. you know, like that's where the people of the city of destruction were. Mm-hmm. They're living in this city that is destined to be destroyed. But as long as they don't know, they can still be happy, right. you know, but as soon as he gets this book that brings ultimate truth and tells him about the celestial city and tells him about the king and tells him about all of that, he can't stay where he's at anymore. Right. You know, once he's heard the truth. Once he's seen that there is this good king, then that's where he's got to go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and so that's kind of how it starts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting, too, that when we read, going back to kind of what you were saying, when we when you read at the beginning of Pilgrim's Progress, um, everyone thinks he's crazy. I mean, his wife right. and kids think he's crazy because he's reading this book and he's telling them, look, our city's about to be burned with fire. Yeah. And they they thought that he had lost his mind, right? But then, and so that makes him even more so. Just like, you know, well, maybe I have lost my mind. Right. Um, but then Evangelist comes, and Evangelist is is a character throughout the story. Um, but Evangelist comes to Christian, and I think it's interesting what he does. He does not, as we as you were kind of saying a second ago he doesn't really, um, he points out the truth of the matter. Right. right. So, um, evangelist is interacting with Christian. Christian's like, I don't know what to do. So evangelist says, he gives him a scroll all in scroll. It says flee from the wrath to come. Right. Right. So evangelist is telling him there is wrath coming. You are correct. Yeah. In what you are assuming you're correct in what you read. You're correct in what you got from that. There's wrath coming. You need to flee from it. Yeah. Now, Today, that would be something that I think a lot of people are scared to do—to tell people you need to do something, right? right? Um, I think as Christians, we get we get shy sometimes when we're going and evangelizing about um, the harshness of the, the harshness, or just the idea that I'm going to tell someone what to do with their life, yeah. right? Um, but at the end of the day, that's what we're called to do. We've got the truth um, in God's Word. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. And God's word has a call to it. Right. Right. It's not just, it's a true, it's like faith, faith, faith produces action. Yeah. You know, there is an actual call. Um, and the call is to repent and believe. Um, and I think
0: it comes back to authority. <clears throat> right. Right. So like, if I am going to another country and I'm telling them as an American, here's the way we do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that you can, you can listen to some things, you know, and say, huh, that's a good idea. We're going to try to implement that. Right. But I have no authority to right. speak to another culture. Right. Because my culture is striving to do what we think is best. Mm-hmm. Right. And some things we were right on and some things we're horribly wrong on. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me to then it's called eth- is being ethnocentric where mm-hmm. I think everything revolves around my ethnicity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I go, so we did this poorly when, um, hello, Man. but we did this poorly when you had, um, like England, right. And they're going all over the world. They're in India, they're in, you know, Africa, they're in all these places when they brought, Christianity there. Mm -hmm. Um, so like Africa, for example, I've been on several mission trips to Zimbabwe and a close friend of mine, whose name was Jabalani was born and raised, lived in Africa, Zimbabwe his whole life. But, um, so I got to talk to him about this, but like when, when we came to Africa, we built churches like what we had, in Europe and in America. Mm-hmm. And um, we instituted worship the same way that we were doing it here, right? So here's the songs that we sing. Uh, we all dress this way. We all sit down and we all listen. And right. like we're going to reproduce not just what God's word says, but how our cultures taken that and interpreted that, right? Mm-hmm. So God's word is not the standard, but what we're doing. The culture is the standard and we're just, you know, cookie cutting what we've been doing and y'all do it over here the exact same way, mm-hmm. you know, um, even with like, you know, um, when, when the, um, colonists came to America and then with westward expansion and they started engaging Indian culture, you know, one of the things that they tried to do there was completely stamp out the culture, um, and, and force you know this is what we do this is how we do mm-hmm. it that kind of thing so that's not what i'm saying should happen but um but what i do have authority in uh so for me i've i've been to um iraq on mission trips i've been to amsterdam been to thailand been to hungary and um man thailand i said thailand already huh um, you said zimbabwe turkey zimbabwe you know, lots of places. Um, but where I'm going, then I'm not going as an ethnocentric American, but Mm -hmm. I'm going as an ambassador for, for Christ. My authority is not, this is what America does. My authority is, here's what God's word says, you know? So, um, so for them, then you come to the same wrestling that we have, right? Here's what God's word says. Here's what, worshiping him looks like. Here's the standard. Here's all this stuff. Now you can take your culture and you can sift that through God's word and what comes out the bottom, then keep it. Mm-hmm. But if God's word objects with any of it, that's gotta go. Right. Because culture can't be the way in which we determine what we keep from God's word. Mm-hmm. It can't be the filter. God's word has to be the filter, you know? So I can go to a different culture who does things differently or um whatever it is, and, and things can look different there than they do here, but the filter has to be God's word, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so like I was saying, the question is with authority, what authority do I have to tell somebody that what you're doing is wrong and you need to change, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, an evangelist, he properly understood the authority that he had. It wasn't his authority, but it was, it was God's authority and Christ had sent him as so like evangelist, and then there's more that come along. He mm-hmm. comes back up, but then there's also others. Um, but they are represent- representative of a pastoral figure, mm-hmm. right? And so the pastor is speaking into the culture. This is what the truth of God's word says. Right. I understand that you think you're fine. I understand that you don't realize there's a burden on your back. I understand that you're uh, temporarily happy, but... All of that is going to lead to your destruction. Mm-hmm. You need to flee, not because I'm saying it, but because God's word says it. Yep. You know? So read the scroll. You know? mm-hmm. And that goes back to pastoring. Uh, a pastor only has authority in as what he's saying is God's word. Yeah. You know? When he starts saying, I think all the men should wear yellow suits to church. That would look good. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Well, you have no authority in that. Now you've Mm -hmm. become tyrannical, you know? But when the pastor is standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord, he's got all authority because Christ is speaking through him, Right. you know? Um, And and so that's what evangelist is doing. And that's why I think it's important that he's not just saying, yes, what you're saying is true. Now go. Mm -hmm. He's saying, read the scroll for yourself and see what it says. It says, flee the wrath to come, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what you've got to do. You've got to do what God's word says, not because I said it, but because God's word says it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yep. And so um, what ends up happening is Christian flees. Yeah. And he leaves his wife, he leaves his kids, and he just runs toward the wicked gate. Now, when Evangelist was talking to Christian, Christian reads the scroll, and the scroll says, flee from the wrath to come. And he says, where do I go? And so then, evangelist points him to this thing called the wicket gate, uh, which apparently is uh, I, what I'm gathering so is on fence, the horizon. Yeah, a wicket fence. They can fence, see it. It's
0: just this fence made out of sticks. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so he's got to get into the wicket gate, which is this. It's the opening of this fence mm-hmm. um, that that he's got to get to, which yeah. is outside of the city of destruction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's it's.
1: It's interesting because that's it's on the horizon and that he can see it, but he's got a long way to go to get there. Yeah. And he's got some stuff he's got to get through to get there. Yeah. Um. So are we going to go into that today Um. If we, if we have time?
0: Yeah, we can go All into right. a little bit of it. Yeah. Cool. So, so we'll get into, like, the first obstacle okay. that he faces.
1: So the first thing that Christian comes to—
0: Well, okay, well, and the first just thing to that happens— To recap, though. Yeah. So what we've got is Christian's living in the city of— uh, destruction. Mm -hmm. He reads this book, which tells him that he needs to flee the wrath to come. Right. Uh, evangelist comes and helps him further read and understand. He now realizes because of all of this weight Mm -hmm. on his back, uh, because of the truth that he now has heard and, and believes to be true. Uh, he realizes that he's got to get out of the situation he's in. Right. So to tie that back into real life, You've got the person that's gone to church, you know, they've lived their life. They kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing their own thing. But then they come to this point where they understand that what God's word says is true and that everybody is going to be held accountable for their sin. There's this weight of your sin mm-hmm. that is soul crushing. You know what I mean? Right. And that's where Christian's at in this moment. Yeah, He just, he realizes that what is being said is true and, and, Not only am I going to be destroyed, but truthfully, I deserve it. Right. You know, so he's come to the end of himself. And then evangelists through God's word has shown him, here is the way. Mm -hmm. The way is Christ. Right. You know, you've got to repent. You've got to come through the blood of Christ. And so to get to where he's at to there, there's a couple things he's got to work through.
1: Yes. And... That's right. The burden on Christian's back is very important. It's something to keep in mind throughout the story.
0: Which the burden they describe as this weight that's tied to him. Right. He can't he can't get rid of it. <clears throat> right. And and as he's read truth, he starts to see everybody's got this weight. Like mm-hmm. they didn't know they had it, right? right? The the average person in the city of destruction, it's it's such a part of them that they never realize that they had this weight tied to their back. But as he's reading, he's starting to realize this weight's not natural mm-hmm. and I can't get it off of me. And it's making everything harder, mm-hmm. you know? Right. All right. So go ahead.
1: So, um, so Christian runs towards the wicket gate. And the first thing that happens is there are two of his friends from the city of destruction who run after him and try and convince him to come back. Yeah. Um, one of them, his name is obstinate and the other one's name is pliable. Yes. Um, so they're trying to convince him, and they're in this dialogue. Christian starts telling them of like, hey, this city's about to get burned up and with fire from heaven, and I we need to go, you know? Um, well, Obstinate's not having any of it. He thinks the whole thing's dumb. He thinks Christian's just lost his mind. Right. Pliable, on the other hand, is standing there, and he's like— You've convinced me. Right. Christian has a point, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So Obstinate tries to convince Pliable to not go with Christian— But Pliable stays with Christian. Obstinate goes home and thinks everybody's dumb. Yeah. Um, so then, okay. So obviously with that, we can see, you know, when you realize that you're in sin and you start to try and like talk about it to people, people are going to think you've lost your mind. Right. They're going to be like, no, that's,
0: or they're going to talk down
1: or they're going to, yeah. Yeah. We're going to try and talk you out of,
0: which I know for me. So like in, in my life, um, that's, that happened to me, the mm-hmm. obstinate, you know, where, hey, I'm facing this. And then, uh, the rebuttal is, yeah, but really, yeah, is it that big of a deal? Right. You know, just, it's, 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 you know, you ate some bad eggs, mm-hmm. let it, let it pass and right. just continue with life. You right. know what I mean? Um, but that's this obstinate character. It's this person that is opposed to change you know mm-hmm. uh specifically spiritual change when you're convicted by god's word okay that can be true that's cool but don't push that on me right you know if i'm here to let you know i think what you're doing is crazy and you need to come back but if not there's no way that i'm going with you mm-hmm. i'm just here to talk you back to to hanging out with me mm-hmm. you know Um, so that could be friends. That could be just the, the people that you've been surrounded with that have bought into the city of destruction. Um, they bought into the world and as you start to get convicted and you start to share that with people, they're like, nah, man. Right. Or, or the whole, that can be true for you, but that's not my truth.
1: Right. You know? Um, so go ahead. So, uh, pliable continues on with Christian and they meet their first obstacle and their first obstacle. Is well, depending on what version you read, mine it says the swamp of despair. What's yep. the other one? The 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 slew of despond. Slew of despond, and or so, sleuth. Sleuth, I like
0: that. Sleuth, but the proper uh, British or Scottish way of pronouncing that is slew. Slew of despond, which I uh, they basically mean the same thing.
1: Yeah. So basically, Christian and Pliable are making the way to the wicked Gate. And uh, they come across this swamp that's just a muck, mire. It is completely just. It is a mire. It is a mire. Um, but they're walking on. I believe they're walking on a.
0: So they're on, on, on a the dock. Well, they're on the path. Yeah, right to get to the wicket gate. Right, and as they get to the swamp of Despawn, then there are these stones mm-hmm. that they can jump from stone to stone to not fall in. And what ends up happening
1: is, if I remember correctly, I'm looking at it trying to make sure, Pliable decides it's taking too long. Yeah. So Pliable gets off of that and jumps into the, the swamp to try and swim. Yeah. Well, Christian says, oh, well, that must be a good idea because this is taking a very long time. So Christian does the same thing. Mm -hmm. They both, so now they're both in the swamp and they're just stuck in this swamp. They, they can't move in because they have this weight on their back and it's just stuck there. Right. And so, um, I I guess, I guess what I'll do is I'll finish with what the book says and then we'll kind of go back. back. So, um, they're stuck in this swamp and they're trying to find their way out as best they can. And, um, so, Pliable somehow makes his way to the edge of the swamp. He gets up. He says, this is too much. I've got to, I'm going back. I'm out of here. And the interesting thing is the book says Pliable is never heard of again. Right. <laughs> so, um, then uh, Christian is still, you know, struggling in the swamp. And he yeah. says, I'm afraid that I was in such a hurry that I did not see uh the steps and I fell into the swamp. Right. He's saying that to somebody named help who comes up to the swamp.
0: Yeah. Which is this other figure, uh, pretty similar to, um, evangelist evangelist. Yeah. So then he's, you got evangelist and now you've got help and help comes to help him get out of the swamp of despond.
1: Right. And then help, he reaches out his hand. He says, give me your hand. Help pulls Christian out, um, and set him on solid ground, wishing him well. Um and then that's the that that's that's the end of that Christian goes on his way. Um
0: and continues on and to continues to on
1: towards gate. the wicked
0: game. Yeah. yeah. So to kind of break that down on where is that with us, um, we kind of talked about who obstinate is. Pliable is different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pliable is most people that confess to be Christians and our culture, right, right. So these are people that they've listened to the truth and they've been convinced. Okay, um, this would be in Jesus's parable of the seeds. This would be the one that's on the rocky ground. They they hear it, they believe it to be true. You've convinced me. I'm following. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the swamp of despair, and uh, and they realize this is costing more than I thought it was going to cost. I'm out, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so this is the person that they go to church, they hear the gospel, they feel that conviction, and they're wrestling through that. And then they're like, you know what? I So but I, I think to help understand who pliable is better, we need to understand what the, the, the slew of despair is. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that point in time when you've realized your sin and you're wrestling with it. Mm -hmm. um, before you've put it under the blood of Christ. Right. Right. So when you realize that God's word is true, and this could be a short time or this, some people wrestle with this for years, but when you realize that God's word is true and you realize our state before a holy God, you're in this state of despair. And as you start to unravel the sin, it just becomes this not that, mm-hmm. that you can't deal with, you know, it's like when you're fishing and your fishing line just turns into this big rat nest, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, I have no right. clue what to deal with this. Um, that's what John Bunyan is describing here. Um, so he, he realizes his sinfulness. He realizes his fallen state before a holy God. He has seen a glimpse of God's holiness and, um, and that swamp of despond, a lot of people can get caught up in that. The problem is you can't live in that. It will mm-hmm. kill you. You know, when you realize who you are, you can't live in that. So there's two options. You either get out of it and you go back to the city of destruction. You say, I tried being a Christian. I I, I, can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's too many rules. There's too many right and wrongs. There's too many times that I catch myself falling. Um, and it was just this crushing weight. It was going to consume me. So I have to get out and go back to my life, you know, in the city of despair, um, which that's what Pliable is. Pliable mm-hmm. hears it. He believes it. He follows until it starts to get hard. Right. You know? Um, so going back to the parable of the seed on the rocky ground, that seed's on the rocky ground. It finds soil and it grows. But then when the sun comes or the birds come, you know, the, the, the sun withers it because it has no root. It's Mm -hmm. that weed that you're talking about, you know, uh, it's got no deep root system. So, um, when it faces that it's immediately withers and dies because it's not rooted on the solid ground. Mm -hmm. It's not rooted in God's word. Whereas Christian, on the other hand, he's wrestling through this. Oh man, my, my sin is just all before me and I'm just weeping before the Lord, but then help puts him on the solid ground. Mm -hmm. The solid ground is God's word. The solid ground is the gospel that Christ has taken all of our sin. And he's, uh, once our sins are under the blood of Christ, they're separated as far as the East is from the West. Mm -hmm. I no longer have to deal with the guilt of my sin. That's what the swamp is. It's this guilt of sin. You know, Uh, it's this weight that we feel. It's this guilt of sin that we're wrestling with. And it's just consuming us. Until we get to the point that we put it under the cross and let Christ bear that weight, then we're trying to carry it. And mm-hmm. it's a swamp of despair, you know, right. um, because I, I I can't do anything with all of this sin, you know. Um, but that's the the cup that Christ drank on the cross. Mm-hmm. He drank all of the weight of our sin, you know, and he gives to us his righteousness. And that's where help comes and he puts Christian's feet on that solid rock of this is who Christ is. This is what he's done. Mm -hmm. Now go through the wicked gate. The wicked gate is salvation, Right. you know, um, where Jesus, well, and we'll get there. Yeah. But, um, so that's the difference between Mm -hmm. pliable and Christian. Both heard, both believe. It's kind of that, you know, when you look at the majority of evangelicals today, They've heard, they believe, they go to church on Sunday, they hear what the pastor says. Yep, that's true. I believe that. But then when it comes to, well, now if I speak this truth in front of other people, that might cost me something. Right. Uh, Even if it's just that they think I'm an idiot, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, it's going to make me look bad in front of people. So they initially buy it, but because they're pliable, when somebody else says something else that they've been convinced by, uh they're not being convinced by the truth of the gospel they're being convinced by the person that's arguing mm-hmm. you know and and so they've been won by this argument not by the truth revealed and uh and so the roots are shallow right. whereas christian his roots are 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 firmly planted on the truth of god's word and help gets him out of that so that's mm-hmm. you know as those people in life, when you first hear the gospel truly, that it convicts you, you can either wrestle with that and then you're only going to wrestle with it for so long before you turn tail and run back to your old life, or you're going to deal with it. You're going to go to a pastor. You're going to go to somebody who's spiritually strong in the word and say, I'm broken. Here's where I'm at. I've got to do, I've got to make this right. I've mm-hmm. got to come to faith in Christ. I've got to get saved. I've got I need Christ. I can't do it on my own anymore. And then that help points them back to God's word and, you see what I'm saying? So that's where um, John Bunyan's going with all of this so far.
1: Yeah. Well, and in the midst of that, you know, you've got the stones and God's word does speak to these things. Yes. You know, so um, theoretically, if he had seen this, if Christian and Pliable had seen the stones— You know, they could have walked on the stones. Which goes to
0: easy believism, right? right? Like, here's this message of of condemnation. Now turn to Christ immediately. And somebody, so they they go to church, they hear this message, Mm -hmm. they walk the aisle, they get saved, and then they just kind of continue with their life. Like, you've missed the stones. You're going to fall into the swamp. Right. You know, you've got to take your time to be in God's word and let it show you the steps to take to get to Christ, Mm -hmm. you know? And it can't be rushed it's mm-hmm. it's discipleship, you know part of discipleship is evangelism, but then you have to continue in that you're not just trying to get somebody to say a prayer, but you're trying to get them to use God's word as a lamp into their feet and a light into their path mm-hmm. you know and uh and so yeah it's speaking to all of that and the stones that's you're exactly right that's what that is that's God's word showing you how to get out from your sin to Christ atoning righteousness given to us, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. But if you don't follow those stones, you're going to fall in, and right. you're going to get sucked under. You know. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think that's a good stopping point for today. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this. Uh, I hope that you'll pick up a copy and read along as we work through this. We're gonna um, we're gonna try to break this up into bite sized pieces to to get through the book and um, just kind of pull out some truth. So. Now would be a perfect time to order a copy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not affiliated with this. We don't have a link to give you um, to to get any kind of kickback for, uh, but it will be an investment in eternity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Pilgrim's Progress can save you, but um, it is uh, mirroring a picture of, of God's Word. And God's Word, the gospel, is the power unto salvation. So... Get you a copy, start reading it. Um, next week we're going to pick up at um, getting in, into the Wicket Gate mm-hmm. and working through it, so uh, you got time to catch up and, and read along with us. If you are still here, uh, we love you guys. Hope you have a good Lord's Day, and we will talk to you next week. Yes. Mm, bye-bye. Mm, bye-bye. Wow, that was a intense bye-bye. Yeah.